Creativity alone just won't cut it. The C Word is a podcast about when creative meets business. You're in a place for designers who want a creative business in which they're valued. Great client relationships, work to be proud of, and the moolah to show for it. All with your sanity and creative mojo intact. Join me, Beck Hughes, your creative business cheer squad, for weekly chats to inspire and spur you into action. Let's challenge the BS, the shoulds, the fads and the FOMO and find what works for you. Hello, my darlings, and welcome back to the C-Word podcast. Today, it's going to be a bit of a, is it fun? I don't know if it's a fun one. It's a reminisce. Maybe it's going to be an interesting one too. What I want to talk about is where my first six clients came from. And I chose six because it really shows a good demonstration of where clients really do come from in the early days of your business. But not just in the early days, actually, throughout your business. One of the most common questions I get asked is, where do I find clients? And the answer may surprise you. The reality is... There isn't a pool of clients like the client equivalent of a pet shop where you've got all these clients lined up, wagging their tails, waiting for you to come along and give them a good design home. (laughs) They're not all congregated in one place, those clients. It's not a case that you just need to find that client nirvana. The wishful thinking is they're all on Instagram or browsing, Behance. If only it were that simple. Potential clients are in lots of different places and more often than not, the best ones or the ones that are easiest to acquire are quite close to home. So in today's episode, I'll tell you exactly where my first six clients came from and also what that's taught me about where to find clients at any stage in your business. So let's get into it. It's a countdown. It's an end of year countdown if you're listening to this when it's first released. So once upon a time, when I first left agency life to go on maternity leave, I ended up having about 18 months away from it all. But after a while, I did start doing bits and pieces for people just to keep me occupied more than anything. So party invites and little bits of wedding stationery even, you know, the odd business card, that kind of thing. It was mainly favours for people that I know or knew. My first real client, in inverted commas, (laughs) that was outside of being in an agency and wasn't someone I was just doing a favour for, was someone I went to school with. So they had a marketing agency and they posted on Facebook that they were looking for a designer. So I just reached out, did a few projects for them, and then after a month or two, I agreed to a retainer. Oh my God, the dirty word retainer, <laughs> which was great at the time because it gave me a regular income. By the by, I don't think retainers are all bad. It just has to be what's right for you in your business. And I did actually start consulting in the broader business to help them with growth strategies, team development, pricing, client management approach and their creative process and product. So that first, very first client expanded and grew for me and helped me build my portfolio in lots of different ways because they were a marketing agency. So they were sending me lots of different types of clients. But that just came from someone I knew that popped up on Facebook. My second client 
came from a Facebook group. There's a Facebook trend here. (laughs) This was a while ago. This was back when people still went on Facebook. And it was actually a local mums group. And someone had posted that they were launching a new business and they needed a logo. So that was right up my street at the time. I do logos. I put my hand up. I raise my hand in the air. So I threw my hat in the ring, as I was for most relevant opportunities that came along at the time, because I was just looking to do more. The kids were a little bit older. I had more capacity. So I was like, oh, well, look, I'd be good to pick up the odd paying project here and there. And I also would put my hand up for lots of things because I realized it was a numbers game. The more of those kinds of requests and inquiries that I put myself forward for, which takes a few seconds to do, then the more my odds were of landing a couple of them. So we met for coffee with that particular person that had been searching for someone to do a logo. I took a brief there and then. And then long story short, sent them a proposal for a brand identity project, not just a logo. And away we went. They became my second client. Again, another great one adding to my solo portfolio. So it was the portfolio that I had outside of what I developed as part of an agency. Then my third client, client number three, was a contact that I'd worked with when I was in agency. So someone I knew and had worked with in the past, but hadn't worked with as a solopreneur, let's say. So that past client looked me up on LinkedIn. Yes, there you go, another one, LinkedIn, and asked me to work on this specialist and quite specific project for them. So it was something they knew I could do. It's something they knew I had the background knowledge for, having worked with them. By that point, there wasn't a conflict of interest. I wasn't cutting anyone's grass. So I started working with that client and that led to more work and an ongoing relationship with them. So my client list was building. Then number four, and these are all very special people who I still have relationships with and still stay in touch with if I don't still work with them. So they're not just reduced to numbers. But client in fourth position was a recommendation or a referral from a neighbor. Literally, my neighbor was a PA, an office manager at a sort of medium-sized financial services firm, and her boss needed some sales material. So my neighbor knew that I was a designer and put me in touch with her boss, made the introduction. And that initial introduction where she needed some sales collateral for an event that she was going to eventually turned into a full rebrand project because through the course of the meetings and the discussions, I planted the seed about what else she could do in her business. And she wanted to know from me what I thought. So again, that project kind of grew a little bit. What have we got? We've got someone that I knew from school that had been looking on Facebook for a designer Someone in a Facebook group that had been looking for a particular service that I just took my chances and put my hand up for, a past client from my agency life, and then a referral from someone I knew, from someone I was very close to, my neighbor. The fifth client was as a result of my neighbor's referral. So that particular boss of hers in that financial services firm went on to refer me to 
another one of their clients. In fact, they went on to refer me to lots of clients. This first referral was for an accountant that they were affiliated with, and that was for a full rebrand. So what happened there was I did the rebrand for my neighbor's boss, and then their accountant saw it. Oh, love your new brand. Who did it for you? I think this is what we need. So they recommended me, and so it went. So that's the kind of snowball effect as you start to get more work. When you get work, it brings more work. And as time went on, my clients and particularly the projects I was working on were expanding and I was starting to build my brand based portfolio. But my first project, my second project and my even my third project, they weren't large scale brand or rebrand projects. Those first briefs paved the way, though. And I think the message in that, just a quick sideline, not All work is perfect work, especially when you're starting. And even when you're growing, you may need to accept not all work will be perfect. From the moment you decide in a shift to new pricing or a more specific niche or an ideal client that you're wanting to work with, that may not be the line in the sand. There may be a period of time where some clients and work and projects aren't the perfect ones there may be a period of evolution. And I feel like that's something that we designers maybe to an extent need to accept. Yes, turn down work that's absolutely crappy, that's terribly paid, that really isn't what you want to do. But when you've got capacity and you're building your portfolio, sometimes the work won't be perfect, but it's still worth doing because it will build referrals and it will build your portfolio and it will allow you to flex your design muscles, work on your process, work on your style. So don't believe the hype. The clients, the projects, the pricing even, the fees, don't have to be perfect from day one. You're not failing if it's not your ideal business from day one. Anyway, rant over. I'll move on from that. But that was really how my evolution when it wasn't all perfect in the beginning but I can see now as I look back with hindsight how those projects turned into bigger projects you know I took a project for a little brochure design but that turned into a rebrand eventually I took a project that wasn't perfect but then that turned into lots and lots of other referrals that were great referrals so there is a snowball effect and it's worth seeing that bigger picture and then finally my sixth client came through an online business membership that I joined. So it was a bit different. So before that, it had been people I knew or referrals that had come from people I already knew. Was This was a brand new relationship that I made from nothing really, from just meeting someone myself. I had subscribed to a course that had a Facebook community and I got a client through that community. So they knew what I did saw me sharing in that Facebook group, offering advice for brand and design related questions. And they approached me for a big rebrand. And incidentally, they also became one of my biggest referrers. Now, I'm not just telling you all of this 
to reminisce. <laughs> My parents used to do this. They loved running through all their cars that they'd owned in their life together or all the pets that they'd had, which was cute and it was interesting, but it didn't really add to our education as kids. And So I'm not telling you this just for shits and giggles. I'm telling you this to hopefully broaden your perspective of where clients actually come from. It's not all one place. And your first client in particular is rarely a stranger. Doesn't mean it's not a real client or that you didn't work hard enough to get them. Actually, it's just the reality of how small business growth works. Your first client, I'm actually willing to hang my hat on this, will be someone you know. In fact, three or four out of your first six clients will more than likely be known to you directly or indirectly. And that theme will probably continue through your business. I can trace back nearly all of my clients that I have now to probably five or six key referrers that I've had in my business. Now it's cascaded, so they've referred me to someone who's become a referrer. So it's a real web, but actually when I trace that thread back I, and I go back to its original source, there are a handful of people who have essentially helped me build my business by offering great referrals to me. So those connections you make early on, those people that you know, those people that you find, if you do a great job for them, will probably continue to be part of your business success story for the long term. So what can we glean from all of this? What helpful morsels can I leave with you out of my first six client countdown? Like I said, it's not just for fun and games. First off, nurture your close relationships and your existing network. Because if you're starting out or if it's the early days or if you're in maybe a quieter period, those close relationships will be the low-hanging fruit. They will be the people that you are most likely to get quicker turnaround conversions from. Completely new or relationships you don't have at the moment are going to take much longer to convert. So always nurture your close relationships and the network that you have. Think about who do I know? Who do I used to work with in agency? Whose path have I crossed with? Who have I been introduced to? Who are my friends and family and people I knew at uni? All of those people that I can touch base with. Let them know what I'm doing. Which leads into talk about what you're doing as often as you can. Tell family, friends, neighbours about what it is you do. Drop in what you're working hard to achieve. Doesn't You don't have to bore them to tears at every family function or barbecue, but don't be coy about what it is you do. I find for a lot of small business owners, not just designers, we're kind of reluctant to tell people outside of our business what it is we do. But actually, those people sometimes become just as valuable as your typical clean-cut business networking connection. In actual fact, as another side story, there was a period of time that I spent in the UK 
short 12, 18 month period where we went when the kids were young. And it was actually my uncle who ran a business in the area we were in, who connected me to lots of people. And I generated lots of work through the introductions and the referrals he made for me. If I hadn't been talking to my family about what I did, he would never have had that insight and been able to do that for me. Okay, the other another learning from this. Push strategies are as important as pull strategies. What on earth do you mean by that, Beck? So whilst pull strategies focus on attracting end clients, so social media is a big one for that, paid advertising, SEO, you know, they are strategies that pull, get you noticed and pull clients towards you. Push strategies, on the other hand, are more directly sales orientated. So that is things like approaching people, for example, in Facebook groups when it's appropriate. Don't be the stalker, but you know what I mean. As well as building your network of referrers, those who will push your services for you. We focus very heavily on pull strategies, but push strategies, far more proactive, probably far more likely to generate a short term or a quick win Sometimes other more vulnerable strategies, they leave us feeling a bit more exposed, but they probably do get the better results sometimes. You need a bit of both. You need your pull strategies as your ongoing, maybe slower, longer term or medium to long term burners, but your push strategy should overlay that too. So rather than activities to find and pull your clients to you, it's activities that proactively push you into the path of those clients that I'm talking about. I'm not talking about unsolicited emails or DMs here, offering life-changing design services that will make them an eight-figure business overnight. I'm not talking about that kind of sleazy stuff. What I'm talking about is creating your own opportunities rather than letting it bubble away, doing those kind of softer marketing strategies like social media and waiting for the opportunities to come along. It's getting out there and pushing yourself in front of people, raising your hand in a Facebook group, approaching people and letting them know what you do and do they need any work from you at the moment. When you hear someone talking about their new business, asking them what they're doing about their brand or their design, proactively getting out there and building your network, getting in front of people, asking them about what they do and telling them about what you do. Those are push strategies. The other thing is focus on building your connections and your network and think expansively about those relationships. So not everyone is a client, but they may well be a referrer. So I have connections with lots of people and they're not going to be my client, but they do refer me on to other great clients. So don't always be thinking about that one degree of separation. It's you finding clients. Think about the network you build and how they may also, whilst they might not be your client, they will send great people your way. Think more expansively about the connections you build. Again, referrals do get a little bit of a bad rap, like referrals won't be your perfect client. Well, that's not necessarily true. If you've already established really clear messaging about what you do, you've created work that you feel really good about and you are working with people who, if not your ideal client, come close, 
and you're really clear about your boundaries, about what you do and what you don't do, then you've set yourself up to get much better quality referrals. And even if the referrals aren't great, it's also okay to say no. Not every referral would be perfect, but it doesn't mean to say that referrals aren't flipping great. Referrals accelerate your success. The cost of acquiring a client as a referral is practically zero compared to the time and the effort and the cost that goes into finding a brand new stranger client. As soon as you have one client, you have a referral network. Always focus on giving that first client, second client, third client, and ad nauseum, an amazing experience and continue to do that. Over-investing early on isn't a bad thing. Oh my gosh, this is the podcast of me saying everything I'm not supposed to say. Retainers, referrals, over-investing, what has become of me? But look, I think this is a really important message actually. There is so much messaging out there about what the perfect business looks like. Oh, you should only be working 20 hours. Oh, you should be earning this much. Oh, you should be working with your dream clients. Oh, you should be working on your perfect projects. You shouldn't be working at weekends. You should have a six-month pipeline. That's all the ideal scenario. But there is a process to getting there. And I still don't have always the perfect clients. I still sometimes work extra hours, hours that I didn't plan to work because I want to get the job done. I want to get it done right. Life and business aren't perfect doesn't mean it's not an awesome business that you've got. And sometimes you have to be flexible and be accommodating and work with clients that aren't perfect. So sorry, gurus, but over-investing, particularly in those early clients to give them an amazing experience and to build a fantastic portfolio, get those clients talking about you, it's not a bad thing. Obviously, don't burn yourself out in the process, but don't feel bad about doing it. If you've got capacity and it serves a bigger purpose, there's a strategic reason for doing it. You're not just doing it because you don't believe in your pricing or you don't believe in the value of your product. If there's a strategic reason for doing it, then absolutely do it. Not all of your first clients will be ideal. It may not be the clients you want as you grow, but honestly, don't cut off your nose to spite your face. And so, the moral of the story is, if you're starting out and you haven't got a client yet, or you're struggling to land your second or your third, or even your sixth client, you may need to think beyond Instagram and TikTok. And equally, if you're much further along in your business and the flow of clients isn't consistent at the moment or yet, there will be merit in revisiting some of these basics that I've talked about. Sometimes you need to rebuild and treat your business like it's brand new too. There's really no shame in that. What I want you to take from this is that It might surprise you about where your first clients are more likely to come from. And hopefully that might get you to think a little bit differently about where you can invest your energy. I'm not saying don't invest your energy in socials, but I'm saying that none of my first clients 
came from me posting on Facebook or Instagram. Yes, they came from me searching out the opportunities proactively, but it didn't come from me just pushing out content, hoping that someone would find me. So I just hope you got a few little sparks of ideas from that. Maybe you can think a little bit differently about how you find clients. What I do want to do is dispel the myth that if you just tick all the boxes, do all of those pull strategies that are just going to wave you in front of your ideal clients, that those clients will start to come. Or there's this pot of clients sitting at the end of a rainbow, just waiting for you to find them. I want to dispel those myths. Sometimes getting your first clients is work. It's hard work. It's doing hard things. Sometimes getting your clients two or three years into your business is still not easy breezy. Sometimes there isn't an easy answer. It's just about doing the work. So have a great day. Have an amazing week. Thank you again for listening. And I look forward to chatting to you again very, very soon. Thank you so much for joining me, Beck Hughes, on the C Word podcast. If you'd like to know more about me and how we can work together, head on over to my website at beckhughes.com or find me on Instagram or Facebook at Beck Hughes Branding. And if you like what you heard, subscribe, leave a review and share with your friends and business buddies who might like to listen in too. The music for this podcast is by Penguin Music on Pixabay.